Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to this weekly Torah study from New Beginnings Church in Bedford, Texas, taught by Pastor Scott Sigmund. We pray this message will help you better understand how God's Old Testament wisdom and New Testament revelation are meant to jointly fit together. Today, uh, we're, uh, our Torah study uh, uh, takes us to Leviticus 21, to Leviticus 24, the 31st Torah portion. And uh, contrary to popular Christian belief, Leviticus is not akin to a root canal. (laughs) God has wisdom in every book of the Bible. If you follow Marilyn Hickey, she'll teach you that there's Jesus in every book of the Bible. Amen. And so today we'll uh, get into a study. It's... uh, 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 in some circles, it could be considered controversial. Uh, do Christians have standards of performance? Do Christians have standards of performance? That's today's Torah study. And uh, in Leviticus 21 uh, through 24, we're going to answer that question. Do they or don't they? Should they or shouldn't they? Only your pastor knows for sure. But here in today's study, God continues his instructions on how to preserve standards of holiness. Jewish society was built on being a holy nation. You are a holy nation, a royal priesthood. Peter repeats that and says to every Christian believer, you are a holy nation, part of a Christian nation, a holy priesthood. And you are to call out the praises of God in your life, amen, and call people out of darkness into the kingdom of the Lord Jesus, amen. And so God uh, has to Israel this teaching uh, with additional laws and principles. We touched a lot about that last week, but this week God continues the theme, and especially for religious leaders, especially for the priests, or if we fast forward to uh, today, we would call it the fivefold ministry. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, and by extension, lay leaders, life group leaders, people that are serving, people that are responding to the call of God to be uh, at some level of leadership uh, within the body of Christ. And God gives these laws, these principles, uh, because He's saying, I need you to think about living at a higher standard. Amen. I got one amen, a little holy murmur. Can I get another holy murmur or a loud amen? Yeah, and they're not just interesting things to study. It's the wisdom of God. God's principles never grow old. Oh, I don't need to learn that. Well, you just told us how much you need to learn. One of the the concepts uh, that comes across, and obviously you could uh, find this truth in any book of the Bible, is that serving the Lord comes with a deal. 
What's the deal? There's requirements. And Christians hate to think about having requirements. I'm not obligated to do nothing. Well, that's a nice attitude. (laughs) I'm serving the Lord and I don't have to do nothing. (laughs) I'm not sure where we picked up on that attitude, but if you have that, rebuke it in the name of Jesus and be set free. Praise God. So whether you're, uh, you are an Old Testament uh, priest or a New Testament believer, their standards of godly character were developing, were cultivating, including holiness. Holy moly, yeah. <laughs> There's, there's standards of righteousness and integrity and honesty and excellence, and faithfulness that the Holy Spirit wants to work in our lives. We don't acquire it all by Friday. It's a journey. But it's a good journey. It's a journey to be the better version of ourselves. Scott Sigmund (laughs) 2.0. And my wife said, Amen. So in Leviticus 21, the Lord says to Moses, Give the following instructions to the priests, the descendants of Aaron. And then it's followed by a couple chapters of detailed explanation of how a priest is to conduct himself or herself. Nowadays, uh, in the New Testament, Jesus said, I have made you as a believer also a king and a priest in Revelation 1. We are now all kings and priests. We have an anointing as a king, anointing as a priest. We have a double anointing, and we can't lose with the stuff we use. And and so uh, God ends this uh, series of teachings. We won't go into it all. I'm sure you've read it or will read it. But he ends uh, uh, this uh, section of instructions by saying, You must faithfully keep all my commands by putting them into practice. In other words, we're not just hearers, we're doers. Amen? For I am the Lord your God. Do not bring shame on my holy name. For I will display my holiness among the people of Israel. I am the Lord who makes you holy. It was I who rescued you from the land of Egypt that I might be your God. I am the Lord. So God is saying that now that we're saved, or in Israel, Israel, now that I brought you out of the evils of Pharaoh and the evils of Egypt, you need to develop yourself spiritually in your attitude, behavior, and conduct. I don't want you the way you were in Egypt. I want you to become transformed. You're a new creation. Amen? And this uh, begins the the work of the Lord as Jehovah Mekadesh. Who's ever uh, seen that name of God, Jehovah Mekadesh? Mekadesh means to sanctify. We're going to sanctify you here today. 
That's a fancy word, sanctification, a theological word, a a Bible seminary type word. But it's an important word, even though it may seem a little bit educational and lofty. Uh, Sanctification is the process of God working in us to separate us in two different ways. The first way is separating ourselves unto God. And the second way is separating ourselves from sin. Amen. How many of you know that uh, the, the work of the Holy Spirit is first and foremost holiness? What's the Holy Spirit's first name? Ah, connect the dot. He is the Holy Spirit. And we are filled with the Holy Spirit in part so that God can work this process of sanctifying us, separating us from all the negatives, all the sinfulness, all the heartache, all the evil, all the the bad things that were cultivated in our life before Christ. And and then separating ourselves unto Him and everything He represents. He is El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one. He's Jehovah Jireh, our provider. He's Jehovah Rohi, our shepherd. Jehovah Rophe, our healer. And on and on and on. And all of that is the work that God is doing in our lives. Now he's speaking to the priests. Look, I, I, I need you to get on board with this priesthood. Because everybody's looking at you as the examples. Now we're kings and priests. How many of you uh, have ever come to think, your, your family's watching. Everybody's watching to see what you will do. And sometimes we do real good. <laughs> and sometimes, I'm sorry. <laughs> You know, uh, we, we got saved in the 80s, and uh, before Christ, uh, I was a real rock and roller, an all-American sinner, just partied all day, like kids, kiss. I'm going to rock and roll all night and party every day. <laughs> that was me. I could stay up till 2 o'clock, close the bar, and get up at 7, be at work on time at 8 o'clock, lather, rinse, and repeat for years. A functional alcoholic. A a stupid idiot dope addict. (laughs) But when I got saved, uh, I I switched over to Christian rock. In fact, uh, on my Pandora uh, station on my phone... I have lots of uh, presets, and some of them are like Petra, Christian rock group Petra, and Whiteheart, and then others like Michael W. Smith and uh, Hillsong and others. And so, but back in the 80s, one of the groups I listened to, I think I still have cassette tapes somewhere in the garage. I'm probably never going to use them. You think if I haven't used them in 20 years, I might not need them. But I'm a, 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 a pre-hoarder. I'm at pre-hoarder stage. <laughs> Mylon Lefevre. Um, 
had a bunch of his music. And one of the songs that uh, I used to love, uh, and uh, I, I, you can watch it on YouTube, it's called Love God, Hate Sin. And uh, when you go on the page, there was a description underneath it. It says, this is another blast from the past, but it's still true. God's word is very clear. You who love the Lord hate evil. That's Christianity, folks. It all boils down to love God, hate sin. And, uh, And so, yeah, while we're in this DeLorean moment, uh, let's uh, go back to my young convert days back in the early 80s in Seattle, Washington. That's where Lydia and I uh, gave our lives to the Lord. But one of the scriptures that I picked up on real early in uh, my Christianity is in Colossians chapter 1. You can turn over there in verse 9. Uh, this is the New King James. It says, For this reason we also... Since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That you may walk worthy of the Lord. That you may walk worthy of the Lord. Fully pleasing Him. Being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Strengthened with all might according to His glorious power with all patience and long-suffering with joy. Wow. There's a lot to unpack there, but it real simple is now that we're saved, it's time to grow. It's time to advance. It's time to build ourselves up as believers and learn what pleases God so that we can walk worthy of God. And that's where standards of holiness come in. Are there standards of uh, righteousness and holiness? Standards of performance, as it says in the business world. Yeah, God has standards. Now the world is doing everything they can to tear those standards down and change the rules of the road. And right now, I don't like what I'm seeing out there. Well, we'll work to change that. We went to the voting booth uh, yesterday and uh, voted for who we thought and we believe are people that will act on biblical principles, that will put God first, the Bible first, before their own agenda or a political agenda. And so there's that. But mostly what God wants to do is in here. It's between here. For those of you listening, it's uh, between the ears. Amen. Yeah, so Lydia and I got born again and we began to pursue these things. When the church doors flew open, we flew in. We originally got uh, uh, saved. We were living in North Seattle and our church was in South Seattle, past the airport. 
And so uh, back then, uh, we were living on tuna, three cans for a dollar, and hoped that bag of pota- 10 pound bag of potatoes was a buck 99, and then gets a, a bunch of boxes of macaroni and cheese, and we're having dinner. In other words, we, we didn't have much money. But boy, when we heard this message, we got on fire. And whatever we had to do, whatever it took, uh, we were going to pursue the things of God and get the Word of God, the promises of God, the spiritual vision of God so deep in our, embedded in our souls that all the bad things that had plagued us through the years would diminish and decrease and the love of God, the grace of God, the promises of God would increase. How many love the idea of sin and negative things decreasing and the power and promises of God increasing. Well, two-thirds of God's name is go. <laughs> so let's get going. Well, but, but my last church, they said there's nothing I have to do. I watch a guy on Christian television saying if I try to do anything, I'm striving and I'm negating the grace of God. I've heard that and I think, boy... That's a dangerous, thin ice statement because the moment Christians think there's nothing I have to do, guess what they're going to do? Nothing! (laughs) Well, anyway, thank God for amazing grace and for being filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. Because, and it takes time, and in our lives, over time, and with lots of patience, Lydia had lots of patience with me. She was pretty much walking on water. Amen. Not me, boy. I had stinking thinking, man. I needed my brain washed. I needed chloro- I needed the spiritual Clorox treatment. But it was worth the effort. And now all these years later, what, 39 years later, whatever it is, you know, 1984, do the math. That's a long time. I'm going to my 50-year class reunion in a, in a couple weeks. 50 years. Where is all the time gone? 50 years. How many of you would agree with me that serving the Lord and going for God's best has been worth the effort? Amen. Amen. Another uh, scripture I gravitated to early on, uh, it ties into a leadership principle, from, and it's in Luke chapter 12. You can turn over to Luke chapter 12, 48. This is from uh, the Passion Translation. Uh, it says, and this is Jesus teaching, every servant who does not know his master's will and unwittingly does what is wrong will receive a less severe punishment. Okay, so just stop right there. If the master has a will and we don't know what that will is, we might not be doing the will of God. 
That's where understanding standards of performance, standards of holiness, standards of righteousness, that's where this comes into play because it's knowing the will of God. What God likes and what pleases Him and how to walk worthy or how not to. But for those who have received a greater revelation from their Master are required a greater obedience. There's that O word. What do you mean I have to obey the Lord? (laughs) Yeah, that's kind of how it works. Why is that a, a, a foreign concept? Because it puts people under obligation. And people don't like to be obligated. We don't like to think about being obligated to have to serve the Lord. I don't have to do nothing. I'm free in Christ. I can live any way. Yeah, I can live like the devil and still make heaven my home. No, you can't. (laughs) It doesn't work that way. But for those who received a greater revelation from their master are required a greater obedience. This is why a lot of people don't like to come to Sunday school. This is like a lot, why a lot of people don't like to go to a Bible-teaching, Bible-believing, spirit-filled, devil-stomping, praising, worshiping, let's live by faith, let's go for God with all of our heart kind of church. Because once you start learning more truth, you're accountable to that truth. I just want John 3.16. I'm not sure how that conversation is going to go between you and Jesus when you go through the pearly gates. Well, I didn't learn nothing. I didn't do nothing. Proud of it. Oh, okay. You get in that line. (laughs) We'll get to you in a minute. Those who have been entrusted with great responsibility will be held more responsible to their master. Yeah. So both these scriptures we've just read and many others speak to the concept of Christian standards. Christians need to have standards. We need to be people that live by a code of ethics. Amen? And Jesus is saying, to whom much is given, much is required. We want the blessing. Give us the blessing. Give me, give me, give me. My name is Jimmy. But we don't necessarily want the accountability that goes with it. We don't want to be responsible. I don't want to be a Toys R Us kid. I never grow up. I just always believe that. Maybe because I was an athlete and you learn certain things in athletics about conduct and standards and performance and working out and, and just uh, being faithful, all these different things. So it just always came easy. Look, if you're going to be a team captain, if you want to be all state, if you want a scholarship to go on to the next level, son, you better get to work. Of course, uh, drugs and alcohol diverted me from that real quick. Once I got to the campus, 
I was a golden gopher. University of Minnesota. Four-year full ride. I was hitting receivers like Andy in their ribs. <laughs> yeah, but I got sidetracked, and boy, it was, it was oogly. I should have listened to my teammate, Tony Dungy. Yeah, we were in the same recruiting class and in uh 74 and and uh yeah it uh he he was a very wise young man at that point but I couldn't see it he was a godly christian man even at that point and even to this day you see him now and again talking about his faith and and uh you know I get his email he sends out a daily email uh and I read it daily it's good stuff so uh Christian, this is a Christian breaking news alert. Now that we're in the kingdom of God, we need to realize we're in leadership. Even if it's just family leadership. Even if you just have a cubicle in an office somewhere and you're working for the man day and night. You're called to leadership. You're called to be a light to the world. You're called to shine your light so that people see God working in you and they will give glory and honor and praise. Not to mention the kind of DNA that you pass along to your family. Some of you have the best testimony of all. You grew up in a family that was passing along standards of holiness, standards of righteousness, standards of godliness, standards of morality, and it stuck with you to this day. That's the better testimony than lunkhead Scott Sigmund who got off on drugs and alcohol and spent 17 years hugging a toilet. The Reverend Billy Graham once wrote, Don't take what others do as your standard. Whether it involves your speech, your inner thoughts, your actions, or anything else. Billy Graham, what does he know? God calls us to a higher standard, the Reverend Graham says, because he calls us to be like Christ and to put him first in our lives. The Bible says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be grateful that you belong to Christ. Now make it your goal to live for Him every day. Not in your own strength, but with the strength that He will give you as you turn to Him. This is what the Bible means when it says, Put on the new self, created to be like God, in true righteousness and holiness. Ephesians 4, 24. Billy Graham wrote that. Amen.
And he knows what he's talking about. Every pastor should have this concept, but not just the pastor living at a higher standard. The congregation, we're all kings and priests. We all have access to the living Word of God. We all have access to the power of the Holy Spirit. Not everyone's called into five-fold ministry, but we're called wherever we're at to be a leader. Wherever we're at, to reflect the love and the light of Almighty God. Amen? I read this quote. Someone once said, If you're going to lift others up, you yourself must be on higher ground. If you're going to lift others up, you yourself must be on higher ground. How is it that the progressive, secular, anti-Christ people on the news media and in the school system and in government, how is it that they now all of a sudden think they have superior moral ground? Yeah. What's bad will be good. What's good will be bad in the last days, the apostles said. And we're seeing that. But from the beginning, when God called Israel out of Egypt, when He called you out of sin, He wanted to lift you up onto higher ground. To elevate yourself to higher and higher levels from faith to faith, from glory to glory. The Spirit of God, the Word of God, the promises of God. Just creating a synergy in you that creates a dynamo, a power. Just somebody that's just able to just keep on keeping on. And getting to higher ground means we need to focus just as much on who we are as what we do. Who we are, what we do. Two different tracks, both very important. I'm reminded of uh, when Lydia and I, uh, we were on staff at the church in Seattle. This was in uh, 1991. And Pastor and Tiz came to our church for a pastor's meeting with our senior pastors, Casey and Wendy Treat. And uh, they, uh, at that time, were in Portland. We were in Seattle, and the Portland church was going into revival. I mean, people getting saved left and right, families coming in, people wanting to learn about faith and miracles and breaking curses. And and they wanted to be taught how to win, how to achieve, how to accomplish, how to move forward in their destiny. And so they, they, uh, they came to uh, our church in Seattle and eventually began to talk to us about coming to work for them. And so we got permission to uh, look into this, and so we drove down to Portland, about a three-hour drive. Uh, We went down there on several visits uh, to learn more about the church, more about the vision, more about the pastors. Do you know we've only had two pastors since 1984 when we gave our lives to the Lord? Two pastors since 1984. Pastor Treat, Pastor Huck. 
I just never believed in church hopping. And God got us into a good spot early on. Thank God I didn't go back to my Lutheran roots. I eventually learned how to break the curse of my Lutheran roots. (laughs) So, look, we had a tough decision to make. Because in Seattle, that's all of our friends. We got born again. That's our church. We're like planted in the house of the Lord. And the idea of uh, pulling up those roots and moving on was uh, not an easy decision. And I kept asking myself, "And Lord, what should we do? What should we do? What should we do? And I wasn't getting any answers. And I know, I found out later, Pastor Huck was getting a little annoyed. What's this guy thinking about? (laughs) Make a decision, will (laughs) you? So, uh, on uh, uh, like the last trip that we were making on our way back to Seattle, there was a restaurant at the halfway point we stopped at. And... uh, I'm waiting in line to uh, pay the bill with the cashier, and there's this Christian book uh, shelf right there, one of those spindle kind. And, and so I'm just waiting there, and I just randomly pick out a book and randomly open it up uh, to a certain page. And uh, all of a sudden, I'm reading this thing, waiting about how to move forward in your destiny. And the author summed up the Christian experience by stating uh, that in reality, we're not just human beings, we're human becomings. You're not just a human being. I'm there in line, like just a little hick town with a restaurant, reading it, and and you're a human becoming. And you should weigh your opportunities and your decisions based on not what you do for God, but what you might become for Him. And that that was a game changer for me. Because I was just like tunnel vision. What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Pastor Huck saying, will you make a decision? And then finally it switched to, who can I become? And then I began to evaluate the opportunity in a whole different light. Because I was doing a lot of good things at our first church. But I could become a lot more with Pastor and Tiz at New Beginnings. And so, boom, we made the decision right there in line at the Mossy Rock Restaurant. I forget the name of the restaurant. You know that restaurant, Harold? The Mossy Rock Restaurant. Yeah. Isn't it amazing? A chance encounter, a random book, a random page in the book at a random restaurant showed me the way forward. If I wanted more of God and more of His will, more of His purpose, I had to be willing to become more. To go to higher ground. To hold myself accountable at a higher standard. Amen? 
Yeah, and I still do that to this day. I mean, that's a concept that still resonates with me because I ain't done. I got a 50-year class reunion in a couple weeks. I got a Medicare card. Are you retired too? I'm in my prime. In reality, God's called us all to become more. We haven't achieved perfection in our lives yet. There's so much more to achieve and accomplish and become. And may God grant us the wisdom and the vision to see that. The better version, the best version of ourselves is still down the line. God's not displeased. He's not throwing the book at you. He's trying to empower us. And get us enthusiastic in God. Excited, motivated, inspired to live out our Christian life. So that we don't have to go home with a moan and get in that line. Sigmund, get over in that line. No! So while I was putting this lesson together, I kind of went a little long here. I've got about five minutes. Let me go through these quickly. I put together uh, a list of seven standards of highly successful Christians. Seven standards. Seven things, principles, concepts that we should be living by if we want to go on and have more success. Anybody want more success? Anybody want more prosperity? A better quality of life? A more blessed life? More favor in your life? Yeah, well, that doesn't come by sitting on your rusty dusty. That's the one place Jesus didn't shed His blood. On his rusty dusty. Standard one, feed your spirit on the Word of God. That's the essential thing right there. If we never got past any other standard, you've got to be committed to the Word. Jesus, in fighting the devil, said man does not live by bread, by challah by manna alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Every word. There's a lot of word. (laughs) But it's good. Think of the alternative. If you think education is expensive, try ignorance. (laughs) Your body just can't live on junk food. Well, I try. (laughs) My wife keeps trying to rebuke that in me. Why do I love donuts and chips and cakes and cookies and donuts and chips and cakes and cookies? (laughs) We need food for our spirit. Right? So, if we're going to get to that higher ground... That higher standard, it it begins with the foundation of the Word. Amen. Number two, Christians build themselves up in faith. Standard two, I'm committed to building myself up in my most holy faith. 
Look at what it says in Romans chapter 1, verse 16. I am not ashamed of the gospel. The gospel is the word. It is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Yeah. Faith. This means we have a strong, unshakable trust in the Lord. This means that we can see natural circumstances, but with the eye of faith we can see beyond the problem, and we can see the promise, and we bring that promise down from the heavenlies into our lives, into our situation, and we see that the supernatural promise of God will eventually overpower the natural circumstance. Faith. Every man, woman has a measure of that. But, you know, you can't stay at Pee Wee Herman level. (laughs) You can't stay at 98 pound weakling level. Right? God wants you to have strong faith. Mountain moving faith. Amen? God wants your faith so strong that it quenches every fiery dart of the enemy. And how do you build that kind of faith? By hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. 500 times later, hearing and hearing and hearing. When you go to church with pastor today, don't sit there and say, Boy, I wish my sister could be here to hear this. I wish that so-and-so was here to hear this sermon. No, you're here to hear this sermon. That's when you can be a little bit greedy. I want everything that God is talking about, everything that's promised to me, I'm just a greedy little thing when it comes to that. Positive greed. Feeding your faith is a seed. And you build your faith by planting seed. The sower sows the Word, Jesus said. And the Word is seed and it produces. And over time, the miracle harvest in any area of life that you seek will manifest itself because you've been spending time uh, sowing the right seeds. Amen. Thank you, Andy, for that encouragement. Everyone else is reflecting. Standard number three, do Christians have standards of performance, standards of holiness? Yeah. And the third standard is speak the Word of God in every situation. Yeah, amen. You might have heard the saying, you are what you eat. The Bible says you are what you speak. What you say is what you get. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Proverbs 18.21 Whoever believes when you pray, you speak to that mountain and you will have whatsoever you say. Well, I tried that once. We're not talking about trying it once. I tried the Lord's Gym once. They gave me a free membership. I went once. 
How come it didn't work? I went once. (laughs) Strong Christians realize I need to speak the word. Another way to put it is work the word. I'm working the word, 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 working the word. What are you doing? Working the word. But God won't do that kind of stuff. I'm working the word. Don't tell me that. Standard number four. Christians control their thought life. Your spirit and your soul. Your mind, your emotions, uh, your thinking, your, it's all interconnected. It's your heart, the inner man. Your thoughts affect your words. Out of the abundance of the heart, Jesus said, the mouth speaks. And that affects your health, your prosperity, your joy, your peace. Every area of life is affected by your thoughts because your thoughts will eventually become words. 2 Corinthians 10.5 teaches to bring those negative thoughts into captivity. They're harmful. They're damaging. So we need to be uh, aware of what, what are we thinking about? What are you thinking? If you're... If your thoughts wander off, I'll never get healed, I'll never get ahead, I'll never be happy, I'll never, 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 never. That's the devil's language. In the name of Jesus, I capture those negative thoughts and I pull those things down. I rebuke every stronghold. I release the power of God, the promises of God. That's resisting. Submit to God. Resist the devil. Rebuke the devil. And counter the devil by speaking the promises of God. Standard five. We anchor our hearts through praise. Psalm 34 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Amen? If you don't have a stereo, get one. (laughs) And get one that has 650 watts. I was looking at one at Costco yesterday. One of those karaoke with the 650 watts. Because my current stereo doesn't go loud enough. (laughs) I want loud! Remember I told you I was a Christian rock and roller. But if I put on the Michael W. Smith channel or the Hillsong channel or the Petra channel or whatever praise and worship channel you like, turn that sucker up and begin to get your praise on. When you go into the main service today, don't just sit there like a bump on a log, like a frog in a hailstorm. Get your praise on. Get to jumping. Get to moving. Get to uh, uh, excited and enthusiastic because that will anchor your life and especially do that when you're in challenging times no more belly aching more praise and worship and sometimes you got to turn that thing up so loud the neighbors are just to make sure the devil doesn't get you thinking about the wrong thing amen Standard six, 
Christian standards of performance, pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Holy Ghost. You not only have an English language, you have a heavenly language. And Jude 20 says that you will build yourself up in your most holy faith when you're praying in the Holy Spirit. That's how you keep your battery charged. Amen? The Bible even says, sing in other tongues. And so a lot of times in praise and worship, you might just skip the words, I'm just going to sing in other tongues right here. Let, let Candy and the team go on and they can, they can be praying however they want, or praise how, but I'm just, and you sing to the tune that they're playing because when you're praying in the Holy Spirit, you're building yourself up and the Bible says in 1 Corinthians, Corinthians 14, 2, that you're praying the divine mysteries of the gospel. How many of you all need some more gospel in you, some more revealing of secrets and mysteries and the pathway to success and prosperity may come because you exercise praying in the Spirit. Number seven, this is our last one, get rid of the negative baggage. Christians are in the habit of killing the weeds that block the blessing. That's important. Kill the weeds that block the blessing. The Bible says in Hebrews 12 that that people get weighed down, slowed down because of sin. We have an amazing destiny in Christ. We have a calling from God. Hallelujah! It's a calling to be our best. It's a calling to experience the best. But we're always going to struggle to achieve God's best if we don't strip away every weight of sin that slows us down. God doesn't bring these things up. The Holy Spirit won't prompt you because He's trying to make you feel bad. It's the sin that's making you feel bad. That's the guilt. That's the condemnation. God points it out not to condemn you, but so that you can sever that thing out of your life and not carry that around for the rest of your life. Amen? So with all that in mind, learn to look forward into your future because that's where you're going to spend the rest of your life. So think about these things. Feed your spirit on the Word of God. Build yourself up in faith. Speak the Word of God in every circumstance. Control your thought life. Uh, Anchor your heart with praise. Pray in the Holy Spirit. And get rid of the negative baggage. Seven standards of performance that will make you a highly successful Christian. Amen? Well, if you receive that today, give the Lord a big hand clap. Now get out there and give them, team. Go get them. (laughs) Yeah.